The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, always searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. So glad that you are joining us. We are going to be talking about Colorado roadside attractions, very noteworthy and very ably, in fact, intriguingly explained by Erica Nelson, a great friend of the show, and she will be coming up very shortly. Colorado roadside attractions today, those are coming up right after this. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. Welcome back to Trip Talk. Nothing haunted, nothing scary, but plenty intriguing about our guest this hour. Back for another visit, and we're just thrilled about that. Erica Nelson is an independent artist and educator, often described as a pretty smart cookie, who explores the fringes of art and culture as experienced on the back roads and offbeat roadside attractions that dot the American landscape. Erica travels the country in a permanently altered art car, and exhibits the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. So once again, and with a big welcome, hi, Erica Nelson. Glad to have you with us again. Hey, Gary. It's always fun to join you on the air and on a virtual road trip. And we're not headed to prison anytime soon, I'm happy to report. (laughs) (laughs) new sponsor glad to have them with us by the way (laughs) erica i am so thrilled that you and i talked about this in advance and we exchanged some emails and decided we need to talk about colorado today colorado is one of those places perhaps you'll agree erica that is many states in one so you can go to various corners or right in the middle and it's going to be a brand new adventure no matter which direction you're traveling in and with plenty of roadside attractions yeah, you can go from high plains to high mountains to just beautiful, surreal landscapes in the south. And the people of Colorado match the eccentric and varied landscapes. They definitely do. I mean, there is the urban culture in the midst of great mile-high natural beauty in Denver. Definitely. Been there, done that, loved it, and hope to go again. In Colorado, for example, you can head east, however, and you're in national grasslands. I would love to tour those. I've never been, and that's on my bucket list. So that's an example of the kind of variety that you see in Colorado. Mm -hmm. But there are also roadside attractions, and we'd like to get into some of them as much as time will allow because they're extraordinary. They are unique, and you have unique perspectives on all of them. Let me start with one here. I'm being just a little bit arbitrary, but I'll just toss this in at the beginning. Bailey, Colorado, and I don't even know where Bailey is in relation to Denver, for example, but nevertheless, Bailey, Colorado has a hot dog-shaped hot dog stand with a great history. Please tell us about that place. 
And this one had been on my list of musties for a long, long time because um, it was built in the nine in the 1960s, and the maker Marcus Shannon thought that oh, this would be a great way to do hot dog stands would be to make them in the shape of giant hot dogs. He built his first prototype, and sadly, he was more interested in hot dogs than other people were. So it did close down, but um, it was moved in 1970 to Aston Park, where it operated on and off for a series of years. And then its most recent move was in 2006 to Bailey. And all of these are small mountain towns. And every time that it moves, just imagine this 42-foot-long hot dog weighing 18 tons, traversing mountain highways. So you're going along, seeing the scenic beauty, and suddenly you're met by this met by this massive wiener getting ready to find a new home just down the road. And I'm thinking at that point, the air is too thin up here. I'm starting to see things. <laughs> and get a little hungry. Yes, that's for sure. Now, Bailey, Colorado itself is where in relation to Denver or Boulder, for example? It would be um, south of Denver, so it is in that sort of hilly area. Um, and all of those mountain towns kind of, it's hard to give directions because it might be east or west of, but that doesn't mean it's close to mm. <laughs> when, as, as the car drives. So as the crow flies, uh, it's it's not far from Denver, but as the car drives, it does take a little bit to go through those hilly mountains to uh, finally find the giant hot dog. Um, it's interesting. The new you owners. Should... Yes. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say it's interesting also... what you're saying. What you're saying is so true because there are places well worth seeing that aren't right off the interstate, and it's important that you noted that. But you were talking about new owners. Please go ahead. Oh, yeah, and the, the new owners had a new idea for their hot dog, uh, which kind of goes um, with culture of today. We like to eat a little bit more locally and really taste the um, the offerings of a region. So they have decided to use mostly local meat producers, and uh, they've really upscaled their offering. So whenever you go to this new version of the Coney Island hot dog stand in a very vintage retro hot dog shaped building, you're getting the best that Colorado has to offer in the form of a hot dog. I would love to experience that. That would be great. I wonder if they have any souvenirs, like I've eaten at this place, you know, a T-shirt, something that you could take with you. That would be a good marketing idea. I actually was wearing the T-shirt just yesterday. So really? Yes, they do have souvenirs <laughs> and bumper stickers and pins. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Let's move on to another place, Erica. Now, I have to admit, I have no idea where this is. I, I've seen a lot of Colorado, hardly all of it, but uh, different places have their own appeal. And then I run up against Rye, Colorado. You teased that a little bit in an email to me. Rye, Colorado and Bishop's Castle. I have no idea. So please enlighten us all. Well, and Rye as a town is is very, very tiny, so you might blink and miss it. But the thing that you can't miss is this 16-story 
castle rising up out of the mountaintop on another curvy mountain highway. So Jim Bishop started, it fell in love with the land when he was a teenager, and he and his dad bought a little camping spot up in the mountains. They first built a cabin, but then this cabin became his favorite place to be. So he started building a castle all by himself. So he moves the stones, he touches these stones up to six times uh, before they're in the process of building this elaborate castle. It's also filled with ironwork. He grew up as a decorative iron worker, but also figured out how to do it structurally. And it really is 16 stories tall, 160 feet at 9,200 feet of elevation. So you're already in this wonderful sort of airheaded zone, and then you stumble upon this castle that has a turret that's in the shape of a dragon made out of stainless steel that shoots fire whenever he decides to crawl out and light its mouth. Oh, wow. What an incredible show. That would be amazing. You mentioned Jim Bishop, and it's ringing a bell, but only faintly in my head. Is he integral to the history, the Old West history of Colorado somehow? You know what? I didn't really look up his um, extended family name because I get so fascinated with the people who are building now that uh, I, I get so wrapped up in their story and their passion that I forget to look at who their ancestors might be. Well, it's definitely worth uh, checking out Bishop's Castle, and maybe there's a bit of a tour and an explanation to go with it in tiny Rye, Colorado. It's interesting, Erica, because uh, what you described there, building it by himself, it's reminiscent of the Coral Castle down in Florida, way, way removed from Colorado. But Edward Leed Scalman built that all by himself, and it's one of those eighth wonder of the world type places. Maybe Bishop's Castle is somewhat like that. I would definitely put them in the same category because when you when you hear about a man building a castle, you think of this thing that maybe you would be able to build, that it's sort of modest, it might resemble a castle, but then when you go there, it is so totally mind-blowing. You can't even imagine how one person could do it because it is castle scale. It's not backyard castle scale. This is medieval towering, uh, convoluted, turrety, curving stairs, awesome. And with all of that awesomeness, it makes me wonder, Erica, have you represented that in your collection, or is there a way for you to interpret it to the public who may or may not actually get there? That one I put in the realm of um, visionary art environments, so I'm going to stick to the kitschy, iconic ones that are a little bit more graspable. I do direct people there all the time, though, because I know that I wouldn't be able to, to, to do it justice because I can't even do it justice in just words. So that the visionary art sites, I stay away from replicating just because I want people to go. I want them to see and experience it for themselves. And that's great advice because it turns it into something of a pilgrimage when you have it in your imagination as you describe it. I think that's a great idea. Well, centrally in Colorado, of course, there is the mile-high city of Denver and with some great 
fun, quirky, world's largest things. Now we're getting to the heart of the matter. Erica, please tell us about, and go in any order you like, about places where if you go to Denver and you're into the quirky, you love the roadside attractions, you would not want to miss the following. Where would you start? Well, um, if you're going in summer, right now um, I'm working in the High Plains, so only a couple of hours outside of Denver, and it is hot here. So what, where I would go first would be to Little Man Ice Cream for some really wonderfully made ice cream and gelato. But the bonus is it's in a building the shape of a giant cream can. And the builders of that were inspired by the same things that I've been inspired by, uh, those old Hollywood buildings that were in the shape of the thing that they sold, just like Bailey, Colorado's um, giant hot dog. So it's a recent building and has become a, a center for downtown activity. In the wintertime, because Denver does actually get snow, they convert it to um, soup instead of ice cream, but still served out of that great warming can. So they can stay in business year-round. Yes, yes, because I'm sure people do like to eat ice cream in winter, but um, it's it's probably not as hot of a seller. No, <laughs> I would be surprised if it was. <laughs> That's the old <laughs> joke about selling snow cones to Eskimos. You know, <laughs> you got to know your market <laughs> and when. <laughs> that is for sure. Right. Uh, you did. Well, and uh, one of the uh -huh. one of the men who is responsible for the cream can is a developer who who is known for these quirky, innovative restaurants, and. They've expanded Little Man Ice Cream, and their next Little Man Ice Cream is going to be in the form of a churn bucket. So they know the formula that works. Build it big, build it, build it fun and silly, and produce a good product. It definitely will work. I think immediately in Southern California, the donut shop and that big orange donut on the roof. Randy's Donuts. Randy's even has its own IMDb page because they're iconic. They only do the one thing. They do it very well. And that's what you have to go and get when you're in the area. And there I was growing up in Southern California for nearly 30 years and never made it out there. Shame on me. I'll get back for a visit sometime and I've got to do that. I have my own bucket list now, you know, uh, after that phrase became popular, I decided I'd better start enumerating the places I want to get to before I don't have the opportunity anymore. That is terrific. Now, one thing, let's, let's get back to Denver here for a second. A lot of people, when they go anywhere in the West, really anywhere in the country, but out West, there are so many ways that you can enjoy Mexican food, Tex-Mex, all kinds of fusion. But for great Mexican food and a wonderful Mexican restaurant experience in Denver, there's a particular place called Casa Bonito. And I have to admit, even though I had a few meals in Denver, Casa Bonito, I just can't think of it. So uh, this one Mexican restaurant, Erica, what makes it so popular? Well, for them, it's not really the food because it is it is very um, white person Mexican food. It's about the spectacle. This is more like a wonderland of um, if you could cram a tourist attraction under one stuccoed roof, it would be Casa Bonita. 
they call themselves the greatest show in Denver, opened in 1974. So if you think 1970s, you think super uh, saturated kitschness and spectacle. You're going there for that, and there's the bonus of Mexican food. So I wouldn't go there for the authentic Mexican experience. I would go there for the authentic roadside, kitschy, iconic experience. It's good to know. It really is. When I go back to the 1970s, in my mind, I think of Cheech and Chong, which sometimes involve Mexican food, at least, and then other things. So to get back to that kind of kitsch would really be a lot of fun to do. And I've been in a Mexican restaurant at Epcot, where the idea is to be Mexico's ambassador to the world, to all the visitors to Disney World. So this would be a distinctly different experience. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is about the idea of Mexico. <laughs> I love that. That's that, that we had in the 1970s. <laughs> and, and I always tell people, ask for the arroz con pollo, the chicken with rice dish, because I guarantee you, unless you're going to a chain restaurant, arroz con pollo is not made the same way in two different Mexican restaurants. It's rather a peasant dish known by that term. And there are as many ways to make it as there are people making it. So maybe when I go there, I'll ask for the arroz con pollo, and then that will be another unique dining experience. That's great. Uh, you know, Erica, you also mentioned, and this one, this has some tragic history associated with it. So I really wanted to get the story here. There is a big blue horse installed at the airport with demon red eyes. What is up with that? Well, that was one of Denver's earliest commissioned art pieces, and it's called Blue Mustang, uh, created by sculptor Luis Jimenez. Um, and it was commissioned in 1993, but it took a long time in building. And towards the end of the build in 2006, there's an accident in the studio, and the horse's head um, slipped and cut one of Luis's arteries and he ended up dying from that wound oh my god um, yeah so it, it was a it was a tragedy but it was also it, it the interviews with the sculptor are so fun and amazing because he talks about his own heritage um his family heritage and history and how he fell in love with fiberglass and painting from coming from an auto body world so thinking about these beautiful, gushy forms and his love of fiberglass and making them bigger and more, more badass each and every time. So this big blue horse was a real passion project for him. So his friends rallied around the horse itself, even though it had this, this tragic story to it. So it was installed in 2008, and the locals refer to it as Lucifer, instead of the blue mass mustang because of that strange history but also because of those glowing red eyes blucifer yeah that is just amazing um well you know it, it out of tragedy comes legend you know and even when you've got the facts there's a legendary property involved there and that would be an amazing thing to see in and of itself i also know when i have paid attention to it, Erica, that with fiberglass, you know, yeah, you know, it may not be the easiest thing in the world to handle, but you get some amazing creations out of that substance. 
Yeah, you get things that, that can defy gravity. You have things that can weather more than any other brightly other colored thing can weather. And he was really pushing the form and talking about the same sort of kitschy, iconic, but story-based sculpture making that um, really influenced Denver's uh, public art scene. One of the other big public art pieces that I really, really love that's kind of related is called the Big Blue Bear. And that one is a giant bear that's staring in to the Denver Convention Center. Um, Three stories high, he's reared up, his paws are on the window, and he's just sort of peering in to see what is going on inside of there. So you've got in Denver these two big blue, one sort of sinister, but one sort of fun and silly and inquisitive uh, icons that people really associate with the Mile High City. And to be clear, the big blue horse... Lucifer is installed at the airport while the blue bear is located at the convention center downtown, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But if you're flying into Denver for a convention, you might get lucky enough to see both. That's right. That is right. And on that same note, Erica, there was a recent game released. We have plenty of gamers in the Seattle area where we are broadcast and around the world. So anyone listening to this podcast should pay attention to this. This is very interesting. There was a recent game released for iPhones that lets you actually be Blucifer on a rampage. How does that work? <laughs> and I, I was waiting for this one when I heard of it because I, I thought, oh, all right, this is either going to be awesome or awful, like most of life. And I waited with bated breath for its release. It was released in January of this year, and I immediately paid my maybe $2 to download it. And yes, you become the Denver Doom Horse. And that is the title of the game, Lucifer, Denver Doom Horse. And you are this raging blue Mustang and this time it really does shoot lasers out of its eyes. And you're going through a grid map of Denver, um, crossing through the streets and finding all of the iconic structures. So iconic buildings, all of the other public art pieces, Robert Indiana's love. And uh, you're going around Denver, destroying them with your laser eyes. <laughs> Once you've rampaged far enough, the big blue bear awakens to defend the city of Denver, and uh, the blue bear cannot be defeated. So you get this battle of giants that uh, continually refreshes. So Denver does come back, but you do have that opportunity to see these fanciful public art sculptures come to life, even if it is only in digital form. That is just amazing. As a matter of fact, that gives me the feeling when I was a kid, it seems like there are echoes of Godzilla versus King Kong. This is an epic <laughs> struggle of titans. Yeah, it's the best of all worlds because it's that epic struggle, but it's also public art. I can't think of any other city or municipality that would have this sort of fun and this sort of love for their public artwork to... Uh, have its citizens so enamored that they design games for them that also teach you a little bit about the history of Denver. Because each of these um, 
architectural gems or pieces of public art are labeled and you end up collecting them until you've destroyed all of the city. But in doing so, it makes you aware of them. So then on your next drive around, you might actually go and see what you virtually destroyed as Lucifer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so we're in Denver and we decide, okay, and here we only have about a minute, I'm sorry to say, so we'll have to keep the, this a capsule summary. But if I'm headed north to Fort Collins, Colorado, on my way to Wyoming, and I stop at the Sweatsville Zoo, a nice folk art site, the Sweatsville Zoo, Fort Collins, Colorado. What am I going to see? You are going to see Bill Sweat's set of creations, cast-off medals recombined into fanciful forms, anything from dinosaurs to Snoopy characters, all decorating as home farmstead, which you are welcome to come and explore in a nice, family, fun, interesting way exciting little way it's a very sweet little zoo all of metal masterpieces oh that would be beautiful and sweatsville it should be mentioned is s-w-e-t-s-v-i-l-l-e sweatsville zoo fort collins that's a must see as well there's always more to talk about with you, Eric and Nelson. You're always a thrill for me. Your knowledge, the places you get to see, I envy you. And I'm going to follow in your tracks one by one to see at least some of these places that you describe on Trip Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope we talk again soon. Yes, thank you for having me. And it's always fun leading a virtual road trip with you and your guests. The pleasure is ours. Eric and Nelson, everybody. We'll be back with more right after this. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television. And now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. The summer edition of American Road Magazine is going to be on newsstand soon, so you definitely want to pick up that one. Another classic on the way from the reps. Thanks so much for tuning into American Road Trip Talk today, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.